0: so I invite you to turn it in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians. And uh, we are going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you haven't been here before, we welcome you and uh, just encourage you to fill out uh, the sheet and the bulletin. But also, um, you might wonder, why is there um, airline seats sitting up on the stage? And you might wonder, why are there airline seats? Well, it's just a visual reminder for us as believers to remember that if you've ever been on a flight, and I assume, how many of you have ever been on a flight? Most of us have been on an airline, you know? How many have been ever on Spear Airlines? Okay, you're brave people, because Spear Airlines, I tell you, it's like, you know, you have to pray to the Holy Spirit that you make it. But um, anyway, airlines, when you are on a flight, you're in those seats, and you have to trust the pilot, and the pilot, that the pilot will take you to your destinations. It's the same way on Earth as believers. And Jesus Christ is our pilot, and he is trustworthy. And so I just encourage you to buckle up and recognize that he is our captain. And we follow him in life. And he is trustworthy. So as you, if you would turn to 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 7, verse. we're going to be looking at verse 25 through 31. 25 through 31. And really the message is called, do not lose your spiritual perspective in life. Do not lose your spiritual or really eternal perspective in life. Please follow along as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 25 through 31. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress, that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loose from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none. Those who weep, as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice, as though they did not rejoice. Those who by as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. Shall we open in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth it gives to us. Thank you that uh, you give us understanding and clarification, and I pray that as we go through this text that uh, you would help us to apply it to our lives. We're grateful for those examples that we see in the Word of God and to understand it. We thank you for uh, your Word, and we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As we look at uh, life and sometimes perspectives in life, uh, there are challenges to maintain a proper perspective in life because things occur. You know, sometimes we listen to podcasts, sometimes we read self-help books, sometimes we eat healthy and try to improve our fitness. You know, and then there's memes and quotes that we send to each other to encourage one another, and uh, I don't know if you remember, there used to be those inspirational posters or you know, pictures, you know, they have a, a picture of an iceberg, and half of it is under the water, and only a little bit is on the front. Well, you know what, um, some of those, these are some, if you will, uh, quotes that didn't quite make it, and so if we, as we look at kind of uh, to have a, the perspective, and so follow. Eagles may soar but weasels don't get sucked into jet engines. Doing a job right the first time gets the job done. Doing the job wrong 14 times gives you job security. Rome did not create a great empire by having meetings. They did it by killing all those who opposed them. A person who smiles in the face of adversity probably has a scapegoat. If at first you don't succeed, try management. Never put off tomorrow what you can avoid altogether. Teamwork means never having to take all the blame yourself. The beatings will continue until what? Morale improves. Hang in there. Retirement is only 30 years away. Go the extra mile. It makes your boss like an incompetent slacker. A snooze button is a poor substitute for no alarm clock at all. Indecision is the key to flexibility. Aim low. Reach your goals. Avoid disappointment. You pretend to work and will pretend to pay you work. It isn't just for sleeping anymore. Talk is cheap. That's why so many people do so much of it. Well, I wouldn't recommend uh, those as, um, as uh, motivations to follow through, but uh, we can laugh at that because sometimes we can see the truth in these views. But as we look at um, 25 through 31, Paul turns his attention to the unmarried. And if you look at the verse, it says, encourage them to keep a proper Spiritual perspective. And really, verse 20, um, as we see here, verse 25, it uses now concerning virgins. So that's not necessarily the best word translated as we understand it, because when we think of virgins, we instantly think of um, a person's sexuality. But that's not what the point is here. It would be better translated men or women who are remaining celibate. If you remember back, the ascetics that was whole about the marrying and then they were uh, trying to. Say well, I'm not going to engage in um, in relations, intimate relationship, because Christ is coming back, and they had this whole uh, division of what, spirit and body, and so there's this mindset. But also, as we understand the emphasis of the word, is really to singles, and the addressees are more specifically those who are unmarried, and the group includes widowed and separated. And they're remaining, the remaining celibate because of their circumstances and they're choosing not to get married for a couple reasons. One is to focus their attention on ministering and serving Jesus through prayer, reading, and good deeds to the other believers. And so as we continue on, first thing we want to look at is that singles must spiritually interpret their circumstances. Verse 26 to 27. And I think that applies to all of us. But understanding here, as Paul addresses them, he says, hey, interpret your circumstances. First of all, as we see in verse 26, it says, excuse me, in verse 25, it says, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. Well, what Paul gives or says is not a quote-unquote command from the Lord, it is still authoritative as an apostle. And here Paul gives a prescription for present circumstances. And as we understand a prescription, uh, most many people have had a prescription maybe for antibiotic or for medicine. And humanly speaking, we take medicine when we have issues. But maybe you struggle with the challenges because if you've ever been to a primary care doctor, sometimes they give you a medicine and then you're like, they're like, okay, try this, see if this works for your condition. Or here, take this, and is it because of a drug rep told them that this is going to work, or this medicine is more expensive? And sometimes they treat the uh, symptoms and not the root cause. And so there's a bit of trustworthy, especially in this age where uh, medical care and health care has really declined because of what is taking place, and just even dad and understanding that. But Paul is not a practitioner who who does not know the circumstances or history of these individuals. And if you ever have a primary care or a medical individual who knows your background and takes time to understand, that is an important, a valuable asset because sometimes they don't spend time with you, you know, it's just move along. And oftentimes we change uh, medical care practitioners. And so it's like, okay, I'm going to send you over here, over here, and they don't know your background. But Paul here does know your background does know the background, and it says, as we see the words, uh, whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. And that is important, because in these circumstances, Paul provides the correct analysis and prescription for the symptoms that are occurring to the Corinthian believers, and it is trustworthy. So as he addresses these individuals who are singles, he says, hey, this is what I want to show you. First of all, he is trustworthy, but secondly... Or as we continue on, he says, God's timing is not our timing. God's timing is not our timing. He might, as we look at verse 27, or uh, yeah, going through 26 and 27, it says, I suppose, therefore, that it is good because the present distress, that is, it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. And so as we go through here, what is the distress that he's talking about in verse 26? Says, as he says, I suppose, therefore, that is good because of the present distress. Well, as we look at historically in the context, what is taking place, and uh, there's some who have suggested there's probably an impending famine that is coming to that area. And the Greek word used for, what, um, for that is literally what is pinches. Now I'm not talking about a little kid who goes around and pinches people. You know, but if you think about what pinches or literally, if we use the idiom, what constrains us? You know, sometimes back in, uh, there were times where women wore dresses and they would pull the cinch and be like, can't breathe anymore because it pinches around the waist. And thankfully, you know, you don't look like an ant. You know, I know there's a lot of cultural pressure to look a certain way. But, you know, in Asia, there are certain things to bind shoes and look the feet to pinches or constraints. But it's talking about the circumstances, and used for that which pinches and conveys calamity and necessity amidst hardships from external severe pressures. So this is not from what's internal; what's external. Something is causing uh, the circumstances to pinch or literally constrain. And Winter, who's a theologian and scholar, he writes that historically at this time there were shortages of of a grain supply under Tiberius. um Dinipus. And so the lower socioeconomic class faced hardship and constraining a pressure among the hungry poor and those who were displaced because of that. And so as it is impending they could see that there were shortages and difficulties. We understand a little bit about shortages in the past. You know, how many ran out to grab toilet paper when things were difficult or, you know, flour. There were weird stuff that were gone from the shelves. And, uh, but here, uh, as this is an impending, and we can we look at that, it enlightens our understanding of the sharpness Paul uses. Even if you hold your spot and go to uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 21 and 34 about the Lord's supper, we celebrated the Lord's supper last week, and as we look at some of the surrounding context in chapter 11, and if you look at verse uh, 21, I think it is uh, 1 Corinthians 11. 21. It says, for in eating, uh, each of you takes his own supper ahead of the others, and one is hungry and the other is drunk. And uh, also it mentions in 34, where it's, it's, excuse me, 33, it says, therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. And if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And uh, there were difficulties at that time, and just, there were shortages and hunger and some of those who couldn't make it and those who are wealthy um, and those who are coming in and eating beforehand. But to just get a historical context of what was taking place. And uh, as they suggest that, and I think it may be valid. And so as we uh, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and looking at, it says, verse twenty. Six, it is good for a man to remain as he is, or a man or a woman to remain as he is. And what does that mean? It's directed both towards both men and women and highlights the positional benefit of singleness. Now, especially the upcoming circumstances of famine. Because what would occur is as many singles have difficulty navigating life alone, how much harder it would be if you had to provide or take care of someone else in those circumstances. Of impending. And societal pressure, especially in religious contexts, often places tremendous pressure upon singles. Oh, you have to get married when you get married. I mean, if you ever had parents, I'm sure that they do that as well, and family members always trying to hook you up, and, you know, you should meet so-and-so. But as we understand, sometimes, you know, marriage is not the priority, and people go into marriages for the wrong reasons. And at Corinth, with the impending famine, it would have been more difficult to marry than having the responsibility to provide, to care for others, and especially with uh, the shortages. And too often, young people plan to get married but are buried in debt, have uh, no life skills to provide for themselves. And uh, you know, if you've ever heard a, couple, a young couple say, oh, I'm going to survive on love. Well, you're gonna have trouble because love doesn't always pay the rent. And what happens is that burden falls upon, you know, the parents, or maybe you have rich relatives, and they'll support you the whole time, but, you know, it's not going to help that you just simply, oh, you know, the young couple, they work at Subway, and going to say, okay, yeah, we'll have a house and have these ideals. Guess what? It's not going to work. But as we look at, maybe 50 years ago, you know, it was possible because you're agrarian, you live on a farm, you have, you know, you can live on sustenance of, uh that land and animals. But that doesn't occur now. I mean, you've seen rent prices even currently. What takes place is difficult. But as you look at that recession as we apply our lives, but Paul here is saying, guess what? Because of these circumstances, you don't have to. There's not this pressure to continue on. And in this, he recommends that I definitely don't think you should. And don't think that um, in these certain circumstances, he recommends, guess what, you probably shouldn't get married and evaluate what is taking place in your life. Some people rush to get married, but you don't have to. And don't think that all your problems are going to be solved by getting married. You know, don't think that you'll find happiness in marriage. Don't think that you'll always be valued and find your worth in a marriage because marriage is difficult. And even when there are external pressures that are pinching you financially. So be aware of that. And marriage, as Paul expresses to the male and female, don't try to search for that in marriage because what happens is you won't find it. Uh, there was a, a young child, and a, um, a child was studying her parents' wedding photos. And so the six year old looks at the pictures and then t- asks the mom, Did you marry dad because he was good looking? And uh, she says, Not really. The wife replied, and, she, and then the little girl asked, did you marry him because he had a lot of money? And she goes, definitely not. Um, she laughed, but he didn't have any money. And so the child supposes and says, well, you must have just felt sorry for him then. Well, you never know. I mean, as far as getting into marriage, it can be a difficult thing, but not necessarily the right method. But as we come into verses 27 and 28, verse 27, 28. It says, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, and I would spare you. You see there as it switches back, male and female. And so 27, 28, really, as we see the statement, it says, learn to be content. Learn to be content because whether you're engaged or single— You must make your own choice and do not do it for other people. Do not marry just so that you can be married or maybe you you want to rescue someone from their circumstances. Paul recommends that you remain as you are and grow spiritually where you're at in your present circumstances. You know, mature spiritually, praying, studying, reading the Bible. And at that time, you know, that um, division between body and spirit and saying, and they believe that. eschatologically, or that, you know, end times, it was going to occur soon. And so, give up everything. Remember, and even the early Christians, when they assembled everything together to help one another, they weren't sure how much time they had. And so, believers were always looking to the return of Christ, or or what is going to happen in the future. And anything, there's trouble in the world, everyone's like, oh, you know, the end is near. You know, what is going to take place? And we see uh, evidence of, okay, always looking to the future. But amidst that as we live and understand how to be content. We can't put all of our, if you will, eggs in one basket and say, okay, the Lord's coming and he's coming, you know, in the fall, in the winter, and we have to be ready, if you will, but he could come at any time. But if we just live with that and sell all our stuff, that's not right. But if we live ignoring the fact of Christ's return, then that isn't right either. And so as we think about having that eternal or spiritual mindset, It's important to pray, study, read the Bible, and grow in our relationship. And here, as he mentions to these individuals who have more time, who are single, giving of your time and resources, be aware of your surroundings. You know, our surroundings, they're going to change, but keep in that close relationship with God so that you don't have any regrets. And we we remember this recession, 2008. We, We wonder what is going to take place in life. But here, as Paul says, you know, do not seek to be loose. Are you bound to a wife? That doesn't mean, okay, am I tied to her? Ball and chain, you know, I can't move anywhere. Oftentimes, people have interpreted that, but bound there is, it was the legal uh, engagement, as we see it, that often lasted longer, a longer period of time. Could be a year, could be two years, could be longer. Quite a bit of time, as we see um, until the the a prospective groom had built his house and prepared. And so it was a longer engagement, if we will, but they were still legally married. And here we understand that if, um, it, what takes place is that um, to be aware and to, if you're, if you're bound to be married, it's okay to get married. It's not wrong to go ahead and fulfill that um, promise to get married, but if you're not, don't seek that either. Because our surroundings change and keep in a close relationship with God so that you won't have have to worry about what is going to come and take place and you don't have to worry about someone else. And if you're single, you know, don't spend all your time searching for someone, but seek to fulfill God's purpose for your life, where you're at. And what often happens is when, if you want to get married what often occurs is when you are following after Christ when you're living for him and seeking his desires first often God brings someone alongside of you that is headed the wrong direction and what occurs in our lives is sometimes we compromise our um the God-given purpose in our life sometimes God directs us a certain path and and we meet someone's like oh you know um we seek to fulfill their um please them instead of the purpose that God has for us. And I just encourage you as you as you look at what is God's purpose, what does God have for your life, and amidst those circumstances, learn contentment. Because if you don't find contentment in your identification as a believer in Christ, you won't find it with a new job. You won't find it with a new husband or wife. You won't find it in a new state or somewhere else. Because that satisfaction to know that God has a plan and purpose for your life. Learning to be content. It's not easy because we're pressed on all sides, as, as talks about, and we are faced with difficult circumstances and challenges. So, as we evaluate um, our circumstances, learn to be content. And it can be a hardship because t- what happens is in a marriage, two sinful people are trying to fulfill selfish desires, and without the power of the Holy Spirit, You know, you're going to become dissatisfied and disappointed. And it's important to learn to be content in whatever circumstances to be content. But as we continue on, verses 29 through 31. 29 through 31. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none, those who weep as though they did not weep, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. Paul addresses this in 29.31, and it really emphasizes the fact that this world is not our final stop. Those who do not have Christ What they do is they say, hey, this is it. This is all we have. This is life. Then live it to the fullest. Enjoy the most that you can out of it. But here we see this world is not our final stop. And so if you advance us, um, as we see here, the world is not our final stop. And life circumstances are going to pass by very quickly. They're going to pass us very quickly. Change is inevitable. You know, those of you who have lived a few years and many years, you have seen the transition of things that occur in your life. And even in the short time, you know I mean? To think 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, some of you even more. But Paul reminds them that the mindset must be spiritually focused versus earthly focused. If we just dwell upon the transition and the circumstances of earth, we can become very overwhelmed because sometimes we want things just to stay the same. Even this week in my own house, there were things, things break, or, you know, you have a car issue, or, you know, uh, it needs repairs. Our dishwasher went down. Thankfully, I had a friend who helped uh, fix it, and then he ended up buying us one, which is a huge help, Um, but then um, repaired um, part of a wall that was caving in, and then found out there was mold, and so he repaired that, and uh, then you know, there's all these things that, that can get us down in life. If we dwell upon the circumstances, we can just become overwhelmed and wonder, God, what are you doing? But here, we have to reemphasize and remember that the world is not our final stop. And Paul gives a list of contrasts here, as we mentioned. If you look at in the text there, it says, first of all, com- contrast and go to the next. It says, those with wives as though they had none. And this is referring to married versus singles. Those with wives as though they had none, okay? It doesn't say that you should live as though you had none, but you have that contrast, okay? Those with wives as though they had none, okay? Then we have those who weep as though they did not weep. And referring to that personal bereavement, loss. During our lives, there are things that are great losses. Because of sin, that separation that occurs, and sometimes we're separated from people we care about and love. But that is part of um, the effects of sin on the earth. But also we can know as a believer that someday they will be in heaven. We will be in their presence. They will be in the presence of the Lord. But also it's contrasting those who have lost and those who are stable and content. Maybe you're at the stage in life, you know, everything's going okay. You've got it pretty stable. Sometimes in life, whether, you know, what occurs, it changes. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice experience the benefits life. You know, there are times where you experience great highs in life. Maybe it was the time uh, you you graduated high school. Maybe it was the time you, get, you, you got your driver's license. You graduated from college. You know, you got your first job. You got your first paycheck. You know, there's different experiences of, of joyfulness. Rejoice. But then also the lows. There are times where you know, you are not as uh, things aren't as easy. You're going through the drudgery and dullness of life, and it's difficult. And then those who buy as though they did not possess—that is talking about referring to commercial transactions, business investment, investments, and I and I have kind of like to put in a modern-day twist of renting. It's it's those who had possessions in life, as it refers to. There are those who in life, especially during the Roman Empire, where they could be landowners. And you have to remember the context who Paul is talking to at the church at Corinth. There were slaves. There were those who were um, under the direction of others. There was no middle class. It was mostly you have the poor, and then you have those who have possessions. And it was a a stark contrast. And so he's using that contrast to explain to those, those individuals. There are those who have possessions, who have great possessions and wealth, and those who don't have any you know, who who have no possessions. And where you're at, remember to keep that spiritual mindset. And those who use as not misusing that. And that is this, this word play. Literally, it's, if you were to try to um, put it into the modern vernacular, it's eat, but don't eat all of it. I was trying to find some similarities. It's, it's kind of like, we know the term, you can have your cake, but what? Eat it too. Well, here, it's it's like, eat it, but don't eat all of it. And it's actually... A term as we think about in, in restaurants. Maybe you've been to high end restaurants, you know, and they give you just a little small portion. And you're like, what? I pay 50 bucks for this little, you know, piece of uh, scallop and, you know, this little uh, Garmage and cutout and, you know, oh, it looks lovely, but it's, it won't fill me up. And, but yet yeah, it's the, um, as we understand what it is, is it is to their intent for a chef. And I have a friend who's a chef. And the intent is to reduce it, to give you lots of flavors, but to not fill you up so that you're so satiated that, oh, I can't eat anymore. Maybe you've been to a buffet or restaurant, you come out, you're like, oh, I'll never do that again. You know, those of you who like to go to the, um, the Brazilian steakhouse, you know, okay, just focus on the meats, no carbohydrates, you know, just going to eat all that. You have, you all have your plans on, you know, when you eat different foods or restaurants, what you eat. You know, you have to have a game plan. But as we understand here, it's eat it, but don't eat all of it. You can partake in it, but don't get so oversatiated that you lose your perspective. Don't eat everything so that you lose your um, perspective of why you're enjoying it. And it's kind of as in your life. In our as believers. What happens is to live our life. It's not wrong to enjoy life. It's not to it's not wrong to have possessions. It's not wrong to have a a good 401k. It's not good to have all of these items in our lives. But what often occurs is we get distracted and that becomes our main focus. Maybe it's gaining money. Maybe it's just vacationing. Oh I want to go to Fiji, Tahiti, I want to go to the Seychelles Islands, all this. That's my goal. I want to experience all our life and we lose focus of what is important. And so Eat it, but don't eat all of it. Live this life as we do it and enjoy what, what life has to offer. But don't be so um, distracted by the world's allure and pleasures that you've forgotten what it means to follow after Christ. And you've forgotten what it means to have a spiritual responsibility of why you live. Why has Christ called you as a believer? If you're here this morning and have never fa- placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then your purpose in life is going to be well, I, I'm just trying to hear and find out what is my real purpose here in life. But a believer has peace. First of all, peace with God because you're no longer enemies, but also peace that knowing that God is in control. As we think about our lives and trust in Christ, to be able to know for certain that you, if you're to die today, you would be in heaven. That is the promise of the word of God. It says, these things have I written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life. That is something that no other individual without a personal relationship in Jesus Christ, they're just living for themselves because there is no one else. They might acknowledge that there's a God, but they're going to live based upon their own judgments. But the Bible says that, as we see here, even in this, um, Verse 31, and sorry, the air conditioner turned my page. Verse 31, it says, For the form of this world is passing away. And the form or the structure, as, as we understand here, Paul is doing these contrasts. This world is not a final stop. And the form of this world is passing away. See, what drives your source as we think about the transition and change that occurs in your life? Your perspective. If you were four years old, you have a different perspective on life. You know, you're four years old, and, you know, a four-year-old doesn't have to worry about where they're going to live, what they're going to eat, you know. They don't really need that much money. A little kid, you know, suppose a little kid says, hey, I need some money. Can I have some money? You know, who who do they go to? Their mom. Mom, can I have some money? What does the mom say? Mom, do I? Mother says, what do I look like, a bank? Of course, they're a little child, if they went to the bank, they would and go and ask for some money. A little child goes to the bank and says, "Hey, can I have some money?" What are they going to say? What do I look like, your mother? So, but the whole point is their perspective. They don't need that any money. Then that ten-year-old, you know, it changes. They get older and different into different video games or sports. You have sixteen-year-old thinking about driving and being with friends. Twenty-one graduation. You know, the perspective is looking at okay, now starting out, being in the real world and realizing. Boy, it was a lot better when I didn't have to pay all these bills. And then you get in your 30s, and you know you have different perspectives and 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Let me give you an, a, an illustration, and this is from a, a male perspective. And what it is is an illustration of Walmart. And so, a well, man is in the imagine the male is in the middle of some project around the house, mowing the lawn, putting a new fence in, maybe painting the living room or whatever. You know, and they're hot, and sweaty, they're covered in dirt and paint. And so they have their work clothes on, outfits, you know. And men are different because they wear clothes that like have rips and tears on them. They don't care and, and they won't throw them out because they use them for painting and for other things. So they have these clothes, maybe the hole in the crotch or, you know, they're dirty and, and um, old pair of tennis shoes, t-shirt with a stain on it. And so all of a sudden in the middle of working, they find out, oh, they got to go to like Walmart to pick something up. And so depending on your age, this is what will happen, okay. Suppose that guy's in his 20s, they'll stop what they're doing, they'll go shave, take a shower, blow dry their hair, brush their teeth, floss, put on clean clothes, you know, check this off in the mirror, then they'll flex, you know, make sure they look good. And then they'll add a dab of their favorite cologne because you never know who they'll meet. You know, maybe some individual standing behind the checkout line. And then they go there and that pretty girl running the check, um, the register is probably someone they went to school with. Now in the 30s, They'll stop what they're doing, put on clean shorts and a shirt, change their shoes, and then they married the hot baby so there's no use for much, nothing else. Then they wash their hands, you know, comb their hair, check themselves in the mirror and realize they still got it. Add a shot of their favorite cologne to cover the smell and then that cute girl running the register is the kid's sister, someone they went to school with. In the 40s, they stop what they're doing, put on a sweatshirt that is long enough to cover the hole because of the um, hole in their shorts, put on different shoes and a hat, wash their hands. Their bottle of cologne is almost empty so they don't wanna waste any of it on a trip to uh, Walmart. And then they'll check themselves in the mirror, do more sucking than flexing. And then, uh, you know, that one, that cute one at the register is like their daughter's age and so they feel weird about that. So then in, someone in their 50s, they'll stop what they're doing, put a hat on, wipe the dirt off their hands, onto their shirts, you know, change their shoes because they don't wanna get dirt in their new sports car. Then they'll um, go to the mirror and uh, say not to wear that shirt again because it makes them look fat, and then that little the young cute thing running the register smiles when they see you, but and you think oh you still got it, but it's probably because you look like their um, grandfather, but then they but then they um, you look at your shirt and remember that the um, the hat you have on is from your buddy's bait and tackle shop and says I got worms, so that's why she was smiling. You know, in your 70s, you stop what you're doing, go to Walmart. And you wait. You don't go to Walmart right away. You wait until they have your prescription in, and then you go in there. You don't even notice that you got dog manure on your shoes. You walk in there, and in, someone in their 80s they stop what they're doing, then they start again, then they stop again. Now you remember why you need to go to Walmart. You go to Walmart, wander, wander around, remember, trying to remember what you're looking for, you know. And then you're looking around, and then you know that person who is a greeter at Walmart, you know, used to go to school with, and so. You know, it all depends on perspective of how old you are, right? And as you grow throughout your life, your perspective changes, your needs. You know, and really, as the older you get, you don't care what other people think. But younger, you know, you still care about what people think and, you know, the jobs and looking at that. But our worldview, our economic needs, you know, where we get our money, how much we need, our cultural likes, the fads, the styles, the social needs, popularity, likes, approvals, and uh, who we get love from or who we need that affirmation from—you know—our political and government views, religious interests, and relationship—they all change over time. And so, as Paul is communicating with them, he says, "Guess what? You know, you have to understand in this, and even especially if you think of the perspective. Okay, there are coming worse times, and they don't know if it's the end." Um, of the world that christ coming back you know the famine is coming you know we know that things are going to get worse the bible talks about in timothy there are difficult times that are going to be coming and you know i wouldn't want to be on this earth and bible says that we will be removed but what does it look like before that and paul says and expresses to them hey you know stay as you are focus on your spiritual lives and as we arrive at the end if you will the um The world is not our final stop. I want to encourage you that that is a blessing and a reminder because it's a blessing for believers because there's a certainty that to know that this isn't all that life is. And guess what? There is still a future. So often there is this misconception of heaven. What are we going to do in heaven? Sitting in rocking chairs, you know, have a robe. You know, we have all these jokes about uh, what's going to take place in heaven. But the Bible expressly states that we will be in the presence of God. There will be joyfulness. There will be no more sorrow. And if we can grasp an understanding that the greatest experiences that we have had on earth, it'll be far greater in heaven. We're going to have a different mindset. The Bible says that we will have the mind of Christ. What does that mean, to know what he knows? And sometimes we wonder, oh, what'll be like? We'll be able to look back, you know, and this or that. But we have to understand that the spiritual mindset, as we look at the eternal mindset and the perspective is that we won't worry about the cares of this world. We won't worry if there's a hole in our pants. We won't worry if, you know, we let the dog out. We won't worry about the things that consume our time. And while those are going to consume us on earth, we can't be overburdened with those thoughts without reflecting upon the goodness of God. And what is his role in your life? Because as we look at a priority, and here against, as it it says in verse 31, for the form of this world is passing away. And what that is, as we think about all of the world, its structure, all of the demands, the desires, they're passing away. If I were to allow uh, many of our individuals who are more experienced in their lives, maybe 70 and above, and, I, and if they were to think about, I bet you they would say, you know, time path has passed so quickly. Looking back, it's like a blink of an eye. Like, they remember, you know, before there was a microwave. They remember, I mean, think about the generationally what they went through, the difficulty, and what they've seen. You know, you, they have seen many things, and to live a life that is full, and to deal with that. And some of, some of the ones here, you know, there are still difficult things that you're going to face. There are blessings that you'll face, too. But, you know, what has occurred is that it, within this short window of time, technology has expanded. There's uh, driverless cars. You know, most people would be, I'll, I'm not getting in a, in a driverless car. But who knows what will happen, you know. Well, and there will be driverless planes. And there's going to be echoes of challenges of wars. But what is going to occur? And we can be consumed with the thoughts of all that. But I want to emphasize, we need to recognize in closing that, first of all, to know that God is in control. No matter what occurs in life, the good the bad, don't forget that God is in control. Because sometimes we get overwhelmed by our circumstances, by life in general, that we forget God. And if God is in control, then We understand that he has a plan and purpose. And he is going to fulfill his will through this world and through us. And as we evaluate, are we investing our time, our resources in this world or in spiritual things? When was the last time we talked, we thought about maybe a family member, a friend who doesn't know Christ and really prayed for them, had a burden? Or consider our circumstances, that our our circumstances as a believer are a testimony to those around us who do not know Christ. You know, the the misconception is that we have to be perfect and live a life that is without error. You know, oh, Christians, they can't have a sense of humor. Oh, they can't wear those clothes. That's unchristian like. You can't drive that car. You can't do this. But as we live our lives through the successes, through the failures, how we respond to those circumstances are a testimony to Christ. And to understand that if he's in control, and this is, God has permitted this failure, this loss, this difficulty for a purpose, then we need to trust him, and what is the lesson in it for us? Because sometimes it's not all about us. Our, our, our first initial response, God, why did this happen to me? Why couldn't it happen to someone else? They're more spiritual. Let it happen to them. But the spiritual investments that we make are eternal. And so as we encourage one another, as we pray for one another. Now I'm thankful for many in the church who there are needs that um, they, people pray for and have helped out others who have gone through difficulties and challenges and support one another. Even I was talking to one of our members and they I um, had someone who helped, needed help watching the dog or, you know, be available in case they needed stuff. Or, or we have individuals who are going through cancer and people have taken meals to them. And just saying, hey, I'm willing, I can help. Use the skills. Some people have even helped with computer needs. Another, willingness to support and encourage one another. and And get all that we can out of life And there are those who try to get all they can out of life. As we go back to that illustration, you can have your cake and eat it too. There are those who try to do that and get all they can out of their lives without considering the importance of what Jesus desires us to do. So as we look back in earlier, our lives are bought with a price. We are his. Literally, remember, slave to sin, but a slave to Christ. And that means the ownership. That if Christ is our... um, the one who we are indebted to, we serve him not out of compulsion, but out of love and out of gratitude. And we must remember that our lives are brought with a price, and Christians have a priority to serve Jesus. And so that means that each of us, as we live our lives throughout the week, throughout our years, you know, we're always, Paul talks about um, as well later as being um, a spectacle, it says the apostles are like a spectacle or those, what they used to do is lead captors before everyone, kind of parade. We aren't really into parades that much anymore, but parades used to be a big thing, fanfare. But it's kind of like that, as being led as a spectacle, as someone who is being shown, displayed before others. Most of us would be embarrassed. It's like, do I have anything in my teeth? You know, do, how do I look? But literally, that's how it is. Our lives are exposed before others. So, I encourage you, recognize that God is in control. Our lives are bought with a price, and we are His. And so remember that spiritual perspective, that as you live your lives for Christ, sometimes it is for your benefit, sometimes it is for the benefit of others, but above all, maintain that spiritual mindset and that eternal investment of all that we put in, and what are you investing in, shall we pray?